passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock along with waiting. And his hat. Hello, Way. Yeah, my hat is here. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, I didn't get a chance to do my hair today, so the hat's back. Okay, well, that's wonderful. Uh, how are you doing? How are you energy-wise? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Um, I I booked my second vaccine shot, so I'm getting Ooh. that on Wednesday. Wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. How was your weekend? My weekend was great. I had a really great time over the uh, over the weekend. Sounds like that's most people in the city because this is the first week that we've um, reopened patios and yes. last call. So it seems like and the sun's out. So it feels like everybody's in a good mood. I feel I feel very optimistic. It feels like life is slowly coming back, and I think we're going to be that much further ahead in a, uh, a month from now. So we're we're mm-hmm. approaching like we're in the phase one. Phase two is like in the not too distant uh future so fuck it i'm gonna be optimistic oh yeah why not full permission to yeah so it's it feels like it's just a good vibe in the city right now so we'll enjoy it until we find something else to complain about i'm all wired way right before i i uh, started raw tried something new tonight i had a josta <laughs> did you really no you didn't so but that you powered up <laughs> you have been watching loki way i did watch loki and this is this is gonna be my test i i can't remember what night i watched it um but i sat down and i said all right gonna give this a shot and i started it and i'm not gonna lie when i saw 51 minutes like christ so that's like is that is that is it yes yes that is (laughs) that is a part of it for me like i'm not i'm not the person that is oh my god three days till loki drops i can't wait like it's gonna be very much a are you like that with anything? There's some things I look forward to, absolutely. But I mean, Loki was not one of them. It's like I will. I, I did like, not finish. Like, wh- what is the thing where you're like, 51 minutes? <laughs> I can't wait. This show every Monday night, way I look <laughs> at at ten at ten o nine p.m. Like, yes, this show will be over in 51 minutes. I can't wait. I can't wait for 51 more minutes till Raw is done. I can't wait. Is that dude hypnotized? Reginald is how I feel every third hour of Raw. Mm. Um, I'm trying to... Um, okay. Um, when The Last Dance came out last year, I was pretty pumped for that. 
Oh, yes, yes. I was pretty excited that for that. felt like forever ago. Yeah. When, uh, when friends of the show uh, hit me up in the DMs and had some review copies, I was a very happy individual. <laughs> mm-hmm. As was I. So, anyway. But, um, but yeah, you, you're enjoying Loki so far? I liked it. I got through the, the first episode. It, thing is, like with these Marvel shows, like you look at that runtime, and it's like half an hour is the credits at the end. So, I mean, it's really just... Uh, uh, it's a deceiving number, but no, I, I like the beginning. Uh, like I got into it. I'm the person that's coming into it. Like with, with very, uh, I would be the casual that you are basing, uh, average interest in. And I mean, I, I like the low key character. That's why, uh, I, I gave this a test. I really liked, uh, Owen Wilson. I thought he was mm-hmm. very good in the first episode. I really liked your analysis of, uh, them essentially taking all all of the money spent on these last Marvel films built around these Infinity Stones, and they just gave a middle finger to these Infinity Stones. Like, ha, the paperweights, you fools, you fools that spent all your time and your money on these films. We're on to the next thing. Time travel, dude. I mean, you know, it's out with the old and in with the new, man. You know? I'm I'm glad you're watching it. So it sounds like uh, I think you should be guesting on one of these MCU later's whatever you have the chance. I can't make that verbal commitment yet. It will uh we'll see. But I'm going to follow it. It's it, this one is what? 6 episodes? Is that yes. it? Yes, so it that's is. a that's like that's my type of commitment for a series. Yeah. 6 episodes. That's I will I will give my time of 6 episodes. Like could you imagine I mean there's still some series that are out there, but could you imagine you today Following a show that's say twenty two episodes. No, it's it's a bit of a turnoff. Like if I feel like I'm I'm committing, you know, several months to it, it almost feels like I I probably shouldn't just start. I also think like it's hard to have some every episode feel like it's completely necessary when you extend something for that long. Here it's like, you know, you miss one week, you miss a sixth of the entire thing. So it feels like everyone is that much more important. And you can probably have like, you know, more significant cliffhangers at the end of every episode. So one other thing I wanted to bring up, and it's been uh, piquing my curiosity for like three or four weeks now, okay? Mm -hmm. I've been been a bit stalkerish when it comes to you, okay? Okay. And that is your follower count on Twitter that has slowly been ticking downward, and you are getting down to like very low single digits, and everybody that is not following... Last week, I thought we had hit the lowest because Wei was down to three follows post-wrestling, of course. Then he was following this account of these cats that do stuff. And then yeah, there was a uh... third, a third follow, which was Brick Fanatics, uh, yes. some, some Lego-related account. Well, yeah. latest update, Post Family, <laughs> the cat account... Got the axe. He got rid of the cats. He is down to two followers. Two people he is following, one of which is basically following himself. So it is down essentially to brick fanatics. I am not insulted in the least that I got unfollowed in all, in this whole torpedo because I'm certainly not in small company. Um, but what led to this purge way of unfollows and Please tell me how you got down. Please tell me about this cat account as well. I have so many questions. 
I did not expect this to be brought up on, on this show. Um, uh, well, I mean, I, 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 like many people, I think I've, I've been assessing my relationship with social media over the past year. And I think I've largely deduced that it's like, it's largely, um, you know, not good for me. And rather than I think, um, I don't know, follow maybe a select few people, I've just decided to unfollow pretty much everybody. And um, the thing is, like, what what I hate about social media is that we somehow, like, treat these as, like, Rolodexes of our friends. And it's like, you know, if you don't follow me, then you're not my friend. I mean, that's fucking bullshit. Like, I'm, if I'm, I, if I contact you outside of Twitter, then I am your friend. And vice versa. Just because you follow me on Twitter does not mean you are, you like, you know, you like me whatsoever so i just like i i want to take a more kind of like you know utilitarian approach to to social media and that means uh following post wrestling because um i tweet under post wrestling and i will also retweet appropriate things for work um but that also means creating lists anonymous lists where people like i could follow whoever i want and they don't necessarily know it and i don't necessarily know if 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 they're following me and who cares I'm, I'm, I do follow you, John. I follow everybody in the Post Wrestling Network. It's just under a list and you wouldn't know. Okay. You, you don't have to follow me, by the way. I know I've brought that up in, in the past, but I feel now... I want I, to. Over. I've got the ultimate commitment from Wei. He, he is contracted to me, so it's like you, you don't have to follow me. I follow you via life. Exactly, you know? Wei. You follow me in life. I mean, I, I had a bit of envy when I saw that number at two. Uh, because as of as of today, I am following three thousand eight hundred twenty one more people than you. I, it's also an experiment for me, like just to see if I'd be able to keep up with professional wrestling through other ab- avenues, other mm. things. You know, like news sites, like uh, Reddit is a great great place to like catch headlines. And thus far, it's been perfectly fine. You can also follow. Um, you can also follow by topic as well. Neil in- introduced that to me. So, like, if you just wanted to follow a, a lot, I-, I just want to take like some of the-, the the personal stuff out of it. You know. All right. Well, again, the the cat account, like, just what was going through your mind when you hit unfollow on that? Like, that's something completely divorced from wrestling. That's just that that was a cold unfollow. I observed from afar. The cat thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes these things just pop up. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'll follow it for a period, and when I lose interest, I'll unfollow it. So that's it's just that it's like peeking into a to a room. When you're bored of the room, you leave. Okay, that's a it's a, it's a probably a way more efficient way to use Twitter than just yeah having the like the, these not like this list. Like I w- I would love to sit down one day and just go through this list of 3,800 people and just boom, it gets gone. it gets so big that you don't even. Like if I wanted to specifically find my John Pollock tweets, I can't even find them anymore. Because they're so deep and buried, right? Because it, the things are so big. Anyway, this is all really relevant conversation that I'm glad you brought up, John. Because this Thursday, for the return of the wellness policy, Jordan Goodman and I will be talking about this very topic. We're talking about the topic of social media in relation to uh, a film that I think a lot of people may have seen on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. It's, mm. a, it's a very interesting uh, documentary talking about maybe some of the pitfalls and some of the behind-the-scenes uh, business um, maybe relevance and, and business um, uh, 
machinations behind social media that we might be, not be thinking about. But, you know, Jordan and I will be talking a bit more about maybe some of the positives of social media as well. So uh, looking to have a, an interesting conversation. And this week we'll be, we'll be starting at 1 p.m. Special start time because Jordan is off to Vegas to officiate his brother's wedding. So uh, 1 what p.m. A lame, what a lame excuse. You should have held him to the regular start time. Yeah. What's more important? This b- b- podcast or your brother's wedding, right? Jesus, Jordan. Well, I look forward to that. That's um, I would say in my mo- in my life, there are two movies I have watched that just scared the hell out of me. And they weren't horror movies. It was <laughs> when I was a teenager watching Requiem for a Dream. I decided right then and there, I will never deviate into hardcore drugs in my life. I will not even touch any type of drugs in my life. And guess what? I've been batting a thousand on that. And then I saw The Social Dilemma, and that scared me maybe even more. That's because, a tougher addiction to kick. Yeah, probably so, yes. Yeah. So I, lo- yeah. I look forward to your, your lengthy discussion uh, on Thursday. The rest of the week here at Post Wrestling, listen, I'm just going to stay outright. It's not going to be a great week, okay? We're going to be talking about tonight's Raw, which will lead into Hell in a Cell on Sunday. But on Tuesday, it's Rewind Away. And we are going to be reviewing the longest yard. Not just the longest yard, the remake of the longest yard. Yes, someone sat down and said, you know, that classic starring Burt Reynolds from 1974, let's do it again. Okay, um, Burt Reynolds, who is 2005's version of Burt Reynolds? Adam Sandler. And that, everyone, is your setup for a movie that I am not dreading reviewing this. I'm actually looking forward to reviewing this because the watching is done. And now it is time to discuss one of the most bizarre movies with waiting on Tuesday. Is it that bizarre? Okay. I, I've never seen it. I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I, I mean, I was like a bit of a pretty big Adam Sandler fan. I feel like I've seen most of the Adam Sandler movies, but not this one. And I would even say, like, this is probably the, the only time we'll ever review a, an Adam Sandler review on a wrestling movie on a wrestling podcast. But, I mean, there is, like, precedent for wrestling uh, relations with, um, I guess, Captain Insano in The Waterboy. But nothing like The Longest Yard, because no, who is in th- this, John? Oh, this has the <laughs> this has the lineup of all lineups of supporting cast members from Steve Austin as a racist prison guard. Kevin Nash, Bob Sapp, it's better, Bill Goldberg, who is uh, uh, also bringing along his co-star, his jackhammer, and the great Kali. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm imagining uh, supporting, uh, best supporting actor nominee, uh, great Kali, for this. Many options, yes. Uh, Chris Rock, prominent role in this. Um, somehow mm-hmm. Courtney Cox found her way into this film. It's a movie, and we're going to be reviewing it on Tuesday. I promise you All this right. will be an entertaining review. Have you watched this? Not yet, no. Oh, of course. All right, well, uh, Way will get back to us on Tuesday. Uh, also, I uh, want to mention Andrew Thompson is going to have an interview with Famous B up on the site, uh, chatting about his time in Lucha Underground, and probably uh, a lot, uh, as Andrew Thompson uh, will dive in deep with uh, Famous B. And then uh, Tuesday night, up next, 
the lads, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, live at 1015 Eastern, twitch.tv slash podcast. They will be live with the, uh, well, non-hangover edition, I will say, of NXT as they will follow up on Sunday night's show. And what is next? Because it's time for a change. Yeah, what is next for William Regal? That's the big question on everybody's mind. Uh, yeah, do check out their review of NXT TakeOver In Your House, of course, that's on the uh, on their feed right now. Uh, and uh, please continue, John, with the, the rest of the schedule. Well, I just want to make mention, Thursday, it's your double shot of Wei Ting because you get the wellness policy and MCU later with Wei Ting and WH Park, who, I mean, a very generous WH Park, who, at, I'm going to spoil this for those that don't listen, at the end of last week's podcast... He invited any post-wrestling listeners to come visit him at the BMV, and he will take a picture with you if you come up and say uh, the magic word of, fuck this guy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, no, it was really... That was uh, really cool of him. He gave out the address, said, come, I want to meet all the post-listeners. It would be my pleasure. I did not expect that, but, you know, he's in a great mood. You know, it's like we're opening up. I think, you know, people love her like WH, um, of course, you know. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, the, by the way, that first episode is uh, up there for free for everybody on this feed right now. Uh, I also wanted to give a special shout out to the Nubian Wrestling Advocates and their debut that just occurred this past Sunday. Uh, fantastic debut episode from Chris, from Nate Milton, of course, and their guests, Sister Maria and Rich Fan as well as the Nubian news from Andrew Thompson. Um, a lot of great ideas um, are, are put into the show, and I just can't, I can't wait to see how it evolves. Yes, uh, you can check them out. A lot of feedback to that show. Chris, now all over the forums. The man will get back to you in the YouTube comments. They are very hands-on uh, with this show, so I, I'm happy to have them part of the, uh, the Post family. And then Friday night, we're live at midnight, Following SmackDown and Dynamite, uh, I'm ready to wrap up these Friday night doubleheaders, and this is the last one for the foreseeable future. And then Sunday night, we're live for our double-double Ice Cap and Espresso members with our Hell in a Cell post-show. We will make sense of all that goes down at Hell in a Cell, which, make sure you note the special start time, the new start time for these pay-per-views, 8 Eastern, which that alone, I will forever be thankful to WWE for moving these pay-per-views to 8 p.m. Because if you wanted to see me battling a a tornado, a, a, a literal tornado pretty much, it was me trying to get ready for those shows that would start at 6.30 for the kickoff show. I am so happy that these are starting at 8 o'clock. I, I am not going to give a WWE show a thumbs down for at least three months just because of the start time. I think that's a Patreon stream that we should be advertising, you know, the hour before the pay-per-view Dude, starts with John Pollock. If you that's saw a reality show of me on these Sunday pay-per-views, you would just be like, how? How is he doing this? It's crazy. But I am pretty great, so I made it happen. Now, it does also mean we're likely to start a little bit later. Are you, you'd that's rather fine. that? That's fine. That's fine. Cool. I will, we, we, we can talk till 4 a.m. if you want. I, I will do it. Uh, but that is Sunday. That is the week here at postwrestling.com. Uh, if you are so inclined, go join the Post Wrestling Cafe. $6 gets you in all the bonus content, all of our archives. We are live after Raw, live after Dynamite, no matter what night of the week it's on, and live after SmackDown. Yes, we are.
We'll always be here. Let's go into some news, Way. Are you ready? Let's do it. Up first, NXT TakeOver in your house. Was this on in your house on Sunday night? And if so, did you have any strong thoughts 24 hours later? It was on, um, not on Sunday night, but Sunday, Monday morning, late Sunday night. Um, and I thought it was an enjoyable show, but you know, I wouldn't say one that felt mm, of the very high standard of maybe some of the more memorables uh, uh, NXT in your houses. Or sorry, NXT takeovers, I mean. Um, great main event. Fantastic main event. I really like the opening six-man tag as well. Um, everything else in the middle was just kind of like, it wasn't, nothing was bad. But I wouldn't say there was anything. It felt slightly beneath takeover level. When, but again, you know that you're talking about a very high bar. Uh, it's but, a very high bar. I, I would say if you're assessing the entire show, to me, it was, it was well below like the, I would say the upper echelon of takeovers and probably even the median. Like that's and that's not necessarily a slight. Like this in a vacuum was a very good show. I echo what you say. But the main event was terrific. I loved the main event and. I also, my one concern going into that match was with, you know, that was the big match on this show. You've got five of your big, big faces of the brand. And I'm thinking, God, are we going to get 45 minutes here with these six? 26 minutes was a perfect length for this match. They, you know, they, I thought they utilized Karrion Cross the way you would want to use him in that type of a match. I thought the Cole and Gargano, some of the double team spots that they did, I would love to see a tag run out of those two at some point. And... I, th- I think as much as people are talking about that, you know, when people get moved up to the main roster and Paul Levesque's talking about, well, it doesn't always mean someone's leaving just because they they lose a big match. I think one of the things that we kind of took for granted with NXT is that there was always that constant cycle that no one got complacent, even like high level guys it was always a refresh of those main event roles because as soon as someone was big, the window was two years max and you're moving on. And then it creates that need to make new stars and it's constantly evolving. It's exciting to see new names in those places. That's the story of the main roster for this whole generation is that you make it to a spot. You're there for life. It's like a Supreme Court judge being appointed. The Miz is going to be in the Miz's spot until the day he decides not to. Dolph Ziggler, tonight on Raw, they're talking about, this is Jeff Hardy and John Morrison's first singles match on Raw since 2007. It's like, what are we talking about here? 14 years ago, they had a singles match on Raw? And with NXT, you now have, there's a lot less of those talents that are moving on. And you look at someone like Adam Cole, who's terrific, but it's also to the viewer, I think you look at him that he's almost, he's done everything at this brand. And what more is there to do? I watched this match and I at least saw an alternative that at least you could segue him off to a little, a bit of a tag run and it can really revitalize you, even though, you know, terrific performer, but story-wise, it just feels like he's run the gamut of winning the title so many times. And I just think that that's, that's something that NXT, it was actually an advantage that talent would move on and you're constantly going through that, that evolutionary process. Yeah, there's certainly pros and cons to be being able to retain the stars that you've developed up until this point. But, you know, one of the hallmarks of NXT, I mean, it's in the name. You know, it's always fresh. You're always looking for something new. Um, you know, we can't really discount the idea that they can um, change characters. I think that's 
almost like more more important you know and, and maybe the sign of like a promotion being a real promotion rather than just uh you know having this sort of whether you do call it a benefit or a disadvantage of constantly having to cycle through your talents i want to see an adam cole evolve you know the way we're seeing uh, i think they're attempting you know with a kyle o'reilly for instance you know trying to evolve his character a little bit but um you know tomaso Ciampa seems to be taking that role right now i mean to an extent johnny Gar- gargano as well pairing him like you know with with tag team partners um but you know it means like there's going to be i guess that one last spot you know for people up and coming from from the from the the performance center um but nonetheless i i do feel like um we are sort of in a bit of a lull right now with nxt at least that's the sense i get from a general interest and i feel like the show overall kind of reflected that yeah i i thought cameron grimes was outstanding in the latter match i think like hearing that was the one match where i thought like the crowd did have an impression on me was you could see that Cameron Grimes has really gotten over to this audience for the rest of the show. Like they were touting the fact that this is the most people we've ever had at the Capitol wrestling center. And granted, this was not Daly's place. You didn't have 5,000 people, but that said like the crowd made, it didn't sound any different at all with more, more voices there or more, more people there. It sounded like the same kind of low energy performance center. See, it, it sounded a time that they were piping in noise, but there were also periods where they sounded quieter than, you know, a full-on piped-in NXT or at least like, you know, Performance Center or CWC type of crowd. So maybe it was like a combination of both and they're kind of testing it. They um, also seem to all be masked. Like when you saw mm-hmm. the crowd shots, it seemed like everyone was masked. And I'm sure that's if if they're telling people to be masked, um, you know, that, that might impact people's... Uh, desire to be yeah. chanting and being being uh vocal yeah yeah i'm sure that that would probably be part of it as well um you know these crowds really do make a huge difference to the quality of some of these shows um you know especially when you're talking about nxt and i think full sale being such a big part of that identity but uh yeah the big talk coming out of it of course is the william recall thing and yeah do you want to talk about that yeah uh mckenzie mitchell caught up with william regal at the end of the night what did you think of the show? Regal said, uh, good show. <laughs> and then lamented that there is more bedlam than I have ever seen here in my seven years. And it's time for a change. Enough is enough. And it's time for a change. Uh, and that uh, followed. Uh, Wait, was this bedlam that bad? I mean, this man's been through like you know. The man went through a whole summer of the random attacks that led to Alistair Black running wild. I mean, he's he's seen a lot in this uh, NXT era. Got it. Okay, he's not a young man anymore. Yeah, but maybe he's just he's he's tired of this stuff. It's just the same stuff every single week. We got to move on. So yeah. that uh, goes into our next story, and that was. Um, Fightful was the first one that reported that uh, Samoa Joe uh, had been at the WWE Performance Center recently. And then uh, Dave Meltzer noted on his radio show Sunday night that Joe is coming back and he is coming back to NXT. And Dave had said that it it was told to him it would be a a Regal-like role. And I guess that, coupled with the angle, is leading to everyone believing that Joe will whether he's coming in to replace Regal to back up Regal, it seems like he will be in a, a role. Um, well, obviously in NXT and probably tied to, to that story. The other question, I mean, there's a lot that comes with that of Samoa Joe coming back into the fold after he was released in April. And 
everyone's question is going to be, is this coming back strictly for an out-of-the-ring position? Or is wrestling even an option for Samoa Joe? Because, of course, he did have those two concussions that uh, in early 2020 that he has not wrestled a match since February. And that was one of the big questions when he was released. What is his status? Uh, because he was only being used in non-wrestling uh, capacities during that last year with WWE. You know, from a fan standpoint, I think that that seems to be at the top of people's minds is, you know, will we see Samoa Joe get to wrestle again? And a move like this seems to suggest, you know, if it's true that he will be in a regal-like role, I think it would seem to suggest that the answer might not be no, at least not for, for now. Uh, which I think is, you know, was met with a bit of disappointment um, from audiences that were hoping that we'd see some dream matchups involving him and people in AEW or New Japan or wherever else. But uh, not knowing really the extent of the man's medical, you know, background, um, I mean, this could very well be the best move for him financially in terms of, you know, maybe future, like his ability to be a coach, perhaps at the performance center. So, um you know, creatively, I think we could at least bet on NXT treating him uh, better than what he had on WWE main roster. Yeah, and I mean, as as we talked about over and over when the release happened, there's so many different roles he can fill beyond just wrestling. I mean, you have someone that I thought took the commentary pretty well. And it was funny because right before those releases, the very week, um, he did those great sit-down interviews over uh, the TakeOver specials. And... I thought was a great fit for that kind of a role. So, you know, I can see Joe, there's many, many options of how you can utilize him. And if there's anything that's been proven over the past three years, it's that someone not being cleared today does not mean someone will not be cleared tomorrow. So I don't think you can ever completely discount um, the future based on present status. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions with the Samoa Joe story, but, um, you know, an interesting development to see him. And, you know, further to that is when when you look at all the available names out there, like does does NXT become a option if if they see somebody that, you know, wasn't utilized well on the main roster that there's there's an entryway into the side door through NXT where maybe they have a better idea of how to utilize someone. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I just feel like so much of the, these types of moves really kind of make it feel like there's a bit of a disconnect in terms of um, communication between the, the NXT roster, uh, you know, higher ups and, and the main roster. You'd figure something like this wouldn't necessarily occur if there is a bit more communication. But of course, there, there's also maybe the element of a, what level of contract might be renegotiated with the move like this as well. A few ratings notes. Uh, Brandon Thurston put out the uh, the numbers from Friday night. SmackDown did 1,944,000 viewers, 0.48 in the demo. So they were up 3% in viewers, down 4% in the demo. Dynamite did 487,000 viewers on TNT, a 0.19. This was almost identical to what they did the prior week. So it's pretty much been, um, you know, they have... Average just over 500,000 viewers in those three episodes. We'll get Fridays, and then the following week, they'll be on Saturday night. Uh, I got several interesting notes for the Canadian numbers, uh, both for Friday and for Sunday. So, way we had a case of the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good was SmackDown on Friday. Uh, there was no NHL playoffs, so that benefited um, 
SmackDown greatly. They ended up doing 228,500 viewers, way up from what they did the previous week. Um, 110,000 in the 25 to 54 demo. So that was a very good number for SmackDown. Um, They went against the Jays and Red Sox. That was the number one sports program for the night. Now, Dynamite, which followed it on TSN2, only did 67,000 viewers. So it was down from the prior week. One of the big problems, though, is that if you were um, noticing on the guide, they did not list Dynamite. In its slot, it just had it listed WNBA basketball. So I, I noticed two things. Number one was that. And then Saturday night, I'm watching the UFC prelims, and they've got the crawl up there, and a Dynamite banner is circulating for the whole two hours of the prelims, but they're plugging Dynamite Wednesday, 8 p.m. Wow. And Mm. it's, you know, it's just, it's probably the static banner that they always use to promote Dynamite, but I mean, that's, you know, the fact it's not listed in the guide, I'm sure that had an impact on the number. Um, not to say they would have done, you know, 67,000 viewers that they would have blown the roof off with uh, the proper listing, but that's not going to help. Um, so that was uh, not good. S- uh, Sunday night, though. So did you have any idea that Sportsnet 360 was going to be carrying TakeOver? I saw somebody maybe like um, mentioned something about it appearing on a guide somewhere, but that beyond that, I would have had no idea. And I watched SmackDown. Yeah. So apparently they did run an ad for it during SmackDown that it would air on Sportsnet 360. I watched SmackDown. I had no idea. So not saying no one was aware. Some were, but they only did 24,000 viewers for this takeover commercial free on Sportsnet 360. And I just think that you would ask most Hardcore fans, and I don't think they would have known TakeOver. You didn't need the WWE Network in Canada to watch it on on Sunday night. Um, So that was, I I mean, I just look at that number as indicative of no one being aware. Uh, Even though NXT, it it is not doing well uh, on Tuesday nights in Canada. I mean, they've, um, I think it's certainly hurt the NXT audience up here in Canada with the, the move to USA and kind of how NXT was handled for a year and a half before... Sportsnet 360 started airing it live. But anyway, those were some interesting uh, Canadian numbers. Last thing, um, I, I wrote about this today in my update. Have you had a chance to see the uh, Hutami Hayashishita Shuri match yet from Stardom? I, I have, yeah. Um, it's it's really rare, I would say, that you know something that's maybe non-New Japan or non-AEW or I guess you know non-NXT or WWE. I think gets the amount of buzz uh, like like a match like this. So I definitely had to check it out. Yeah, this, uh, if you have not seen it, it's um, uh, Utami uh, defending the World of Stardom Championship against Shuri Kondo, who was uh, a former fighter in UFC. And they, and I mean, this was just such a, I just thought like the pacing of this match, the, the work on the arm from, from Shuri, it just escalated so much, focusing on the arm and the time limit that they had in place. It just added so much drama in those closing minutes as they... Yeah. Spo- they- spoiler alert, obviously, oh, everybody. Okay. So just skip ahead if you intend on watching it. But if well, you don't care, please go ahead, John. Well, I, I will just say that, I mean, the time limit to me, it was such a great tool. And when it's utilized, I think more often than not, it works. And in this case, I thought it was just... Uh, fantastic. I mean, this was largely just, it was a war of attrition between these two. 
I laugh because we saw draws um, tonight as well, um, or at, at least uh, we saw non finishes tonight as well. And yeah, I, I imagine you'll have a very different reaction to some of yes, the. Yes, somehow it's it's very different <laughs> when you're doing a thirty minute time limit versus a two minute beat the clock challenge, and somehow uh, you just weren't paying attention and then forgot what the the rules of the match were. Bit a bit of a difference here, but um, you know this is um, you know I've talked to people who it's their match of the year. WH included. Yeah. So that tells you something. You know, I, I think I think it, it says something, the fact that you can have two people wrestle for 30 minutes and then another 15 on top of that and have no result and leave everybody completely, completely satisfied and touting it as the match of the year. It speaks to the quality of the work. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a stardom viewer, but like Shuri was definitely somebody that caught my eye watching the Hanukkah show. And to see her in this match at her full ability for 45 minutes, she was absolutely magnificent. So smooth, so intense. And um, the emotion on her face upon the finish was absolutely incredible. So um, highly recommended match for people to check out. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, like watching Hayashishita, who like I've watched like a good amount of her entire career, which isn't saying a lot because it's not even been three years since she debuted. I mean, she's already been placed as like the, the focal point of, of stardom uh, with the championship. Now she has that rivalry that I think is going to elevate her that much more. I mean, this rematch, I think, will be such a big deal when they go to it. And yeah, to your point, by the end of those 43 minutes, I mean, this place was electric for it and it was... Um, I just Great. thought the end sequence just with, it was just, they left everything there. It was such a dramatic match. And I thought it was, um, it was just outstanding. Wanted to also mention, of course, the uh, English commentary that we got as part yes. of the show too. Did you watch it with English commentary? Yes, I watched the English commentary. It was Stuart Fulton, who's been doing, um, you know, with, with Tokyo Joshi Pro and Noah. And he was joined by uh, Sonny Gutierrez. And I think Stuart Fulton is emerging as one of the best play-by-play voices in the entire industry. He is fantastic. He was excellent. You know, not just at you know following the storylines, calling the action. I mean, I, I get the sense the man speaks Japanese. Like he was translating everything, or at least you know had had the enough like you know um, set up to be able to directly translate what was going on. So uh, it it gave you like a really great complete. English translated package of stardom. And um, that's a huge plus to anybody looking to get into it. Yeah. The, the fact they had English commentary for this match, that's just going to open the floodgates for people to sample this that much more. The English commentary makes a big difference today. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's beyond time for stardom to uh, be utilizing English commentary. It was uh, a pay-per-view over the weekend. So it cost $40. Uh, it will be up on stardom world if I'm stardom in a week or two, I'm putting this entire thing up to get to as many people as possible. I would, you know, you, you want to have that window where it's exclusive for your pay-per-view buyers, but this is one you put out there. I would. Or some sort of promotion for stardom world, you know, like at your first month, you know, for a relatively cheaper price. I mean, you know, at this point we're talking about a pretty niche product and therefore it, maybe it should be presented as sort of like a, you know, in premium pricing. But Or, or put, put the 30 minutes up on YouTube and for the full match, sign up to stardom world. That's a that's a very good idea, I would think. Um, See the whole show know, up there. Because, I mean, it was yeah. the whole, it had the Cinderella finals as well. It was a really big show for stardom on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that um certainly the uh 
the match of the week and for some match of the year. It's high up there. High up there as well is WWE Raw. That is our <laughs> ultimate segue as we go into our go-home edition before Hell in a Cell this Sunday. And we start off with Alexa Bliss in the playground who noted that she got a lot of strongly worded complaints over what Lily did last week. And we recap the yeah, closing. I, I would be willing to bet her mentions were she was probably unfollowing a lot of people uh, over the week. Yeah, I think even the uh, I think she was even unfollowing Brick Fanatics by probably the end of last week. So uh, Shayna Baszler was only represented on the show from her show closing scream. So we still don't know what happened to Shayna Baszler, but her messenger, Nia Jax, on behalf of Shayna, challenged Alexa for this Sunday at Hell in a Cell. And Alexa accepted the challenge and also made one to Nia for later tonight. So it will be Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler this Sunday, the final pay-per-view without fans. So wait, let's go out with a bang. Let's do let's do the ultimate pre-taped ode <laughs> to everything that's been awful about cinematic matches. Is this going to be cinematic, you think? I think they have to do elements of it. True. At the very well, least. Well, I was hoping for Shayna versus the doll in a hell of a cell. Doll, That's, doll maybe, in a cell. Yeah, you can't really do that after after this Sunday. Yeah, just on a pay per view. Do it on green screen, and the doll's like seven feet tall. You know, all of this the, could the happen. The doll steps on Shayna. So, so by the way, like, what, so what are we led to believe here? Like, what are the the ramifications of of last week on Shayna Baszler? Is she injured here? Clearly, not enough. Like, because she she issued the challenge. Yeah, what like, happened? I don't Why is she not here tonight? Yeah, I, I have no idea. She's uh, you, you. I think she's selling some sort of injury or psychological trauma. But she wasn't so traumatized that she she didn't want to like she wanted the match. Yeah, they did not give us any update on what happened in the room. Other than this is the equivalent of the room when it comes to WWE angles. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Smith uh, tees up the show and the man was officially sworn in way as the new voice when he said, when you're speaking about momentum, who could possibly have more than Nikki Cross? <laughs> Do you, do you like see maybe the bits of his soul that are like steaming out of his body with every episode? I'm seeing the bits of Corey Graves that is taking over his verbiage. So I think oh. he is uh, more than adjusting now to the voice of Raw. I, I think Jimmy Smith, I, I think he's like perfectly he's fine in this role. I'm not going to say this guy is great. Um, I think you, if you're listening like there are elements that he is not going to be, he's not going to know the names of all this different stuff, but he's also not in a position where he needs to, but he is significantly better than the previous person occupying the chair. And he is like, if you get completely satisfactory, that's a win on this show. He's exceeding my expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. And the bar, but you know, the, the expectations were pretty low. Um, they were set by a pretty low bar. Charlotte Flair is interviewed by Sarah Schreiber. Everyone knows that her and Rhea Ripley are going to have the best match at Hell in a Cell, but Rhea is not mature, and Charlotte needs to have this match with Nikki Cross to remove the to remove the match where she went the time limit from her record, which is not how rematches work. Um, Nikki's 15 minutes of fame are over. 
So Nikki Cross and Charlotte Flair. The match that has actually been built up for the last month, not the pay-per-view match. Ripley comes out immediately, which leads to a roll-up by Nikki, but Flair kicks out. Flair takes over until Cross hit a tornado DDT, and then Flair rolls out to the floor, catches a high cross from Nikki, and hits a fallaway slam on the floor, does a kip-up, and is posing in front of Ripley, posing to so much uh, distraction that she cannot hear the referee's count, which reaches 10, and Charlotte just looks completely flabbergasted that she has been counted out and Nikki Cross wins in 7.54. It's, it's unbelievable, this feud. Yeah. It's, man. I think it's one thing for, like, you know, Rhea Ripley to forget the fact that she was in a beat-the-clock challenge and lose via, I guess, for, for forgetfulness. Like, is that the official reason? She like, beat She her. lost. Like, she, she didn't realize she was in a beat-the-clock. It's another when you're already three weeks into this thing, we've established the importance of paying attention and Charlotte just gets canned out because she couldn't help but make faces at her opponent. No matter what you think about this, that, that scenario, I, I think we have to all be in agreement in saying that the last thing any of us want to see at this point is a match between any of these three at the pay-per-view. Your choice is either between the two idiots or like the one baby face who only wins via technicalities and celebrates like she's just, you know, like won the the Stanley Cup or or whatever. Like nobody here comes across well. So Jimmy Smith brought up the topic of momentum. Do you want to hear what Charlotte's momentum has been like on the road to this title match on Sunday? Sure. This is how bored I was during parts of this show. May 16th, WrestleMania Backlash. Charlotte loses to Rhea Ripley and Asuka in the triple threat for the women's title. The next night on Raw, May 17th, loses to Asuka. May 24th, the high point way, she beats Asuka. May 31st, loses to Nikki Cross in the Beat the Clock Challenge. June the 7th, teams with Rhea Ripley, losing to Nikki Cross and Asuka. Tonight, count out loss to Nikki Cross. She is one (laughs) and four. One and, sorry, one and five. Since WrestleMania backlash in the road to this title shot against Rhea Ripley. That is why no one cares. Yeah, I mean, well, wins and losses um, matter some some places, but not, not others. The, the sad part is that there are so many other women employed by this company that just could be in any spot with a Charlotte. That would be able to benefit, honestly, from even a losing effort to Charlotte. And instead, we just kind of get week after week of Nikki Cross versus X, uh, either Charlotte or Rhea Ripley, with the challengers and the champion losing to Nikki Cross. I just don't know what the thinking is at all. Yeah, in a year that features uh, The Fiend versus Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler, I, I have faith that if they keep going, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, they might give them a run for their money this year i'm not i'm not yeah. counting out i'm unlike the referee tonight i'm not counting out charlotte flair and rhea ripley to be able to make a big a big run at worst feud of the year there's been no zombie yet in this feud yet yet yeah riddle is in the back with jeff hardy and riddle is talking about how he let down randy last week and he asks for some tag team advice 
And Jeff, who I thought this dude was in a trance, he's got the eyes closed. It's about teamwork, continuity, but the most important thing is trust. When the trust is broken, the spirit of the team is gone. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you should listen to Randy Orton. He's been here a long time. When the Viper speaks, listening shows respect. I have a match with John Morrison. Actually, I have to go. Then his eyes opened, this blew Riddle's mind, and he rambled as Hardy had to go. Dude, what was this with Jeff Hardy? I I read it with more uh, life than Jeff Hardy did. I thought like this was uh, that goddamn robot on Saved by the Bell with Screech. I don't recall that one, but... I, I get the, I get the idea. I, I don't know. I think it was uh, their way, Jeff Hardy's way of using his imagination to to sound interesting. I'm I'm just like surprised you know, in this in this era, this entire year of like you know cinematic matches, we haven't had the return of Jeff Hardy's inner monologue voice on TV. At this point, I welcome it. I think it would have been perfect for a segment like this where like Jeff Hardy has his eyes eyes closed, but you hear his voice. And Riddle is the only person who, who can, can hear, hear it. it. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Do something to make the man interesting. That doesn't even sound preposterous on this show. That sounds like that's in the realm of, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. They should change up, like, his origin story to say, like, Matt really was just an only child. And, like, maybe, like, you know, it, like, the, the Hardy father found, like this, <laughs> like, like, this kid and a baby in a spaceship. Like, just give him, like, you know, Clark, like, Superman's origin story, and I think people could buy it. Just, like, totally retcon it to make him a supernatural being. Moving on. Uh, Randy Orton walked in, and Riddle apologized, and he won't let Randy down, and Orton tells Son, don't try and be another Randy Orton. Just be the best Riddle. Hmm. Nice heart-to-heart moment here. That's what he's been doing, yeah. So then way we had our big big reunion between John Morrison and Jeff Hardy. Their last singles match way took place on SmackDown in July of 2009. Last singles match on Raw, April of 2007. Wow. April of 2007. That's a teenager. That's a high schooler. Morrison hit Jeff with the drip stick from the floor. Morrison gets the heat when Cedric Alexander comes out. Hardy comes back, throws a towel at the Miz, and hits Whisper in the Wind. Morrison comes back, snaps Hardy on the top rope, and then hits Starship Pain to pin Jeff in 2 minutes and 46 seconds. Which, it took longer for me to look up their singles history than this match took. I have no idea why... I know why Jeff Hardy lost here. But I don't know why, because <laughs> the story was entirely focused on Jeff Hardy. It was focused on Cedric Alexander coming out here because he was pissed off that Jeff Hardy beat him last week. So what do you do? You beat Jeff Hardy while Cedric is on the lookout for revenge? Well, then Cedric Alexander decided to fight his greatest adversary, the microphone. Oh, and Cedric... Boy. 
screamed. Tried to scream. This was just... Dude, his voice is like just really... Um, I mean, it's like he's got a weird high pitch thing, you know, whenever he tries to talk serious. And it makes it really hard to take him seriously. But that doesn't mean that... I, like it makes him kind of unique, and I, I would, I say they should run with it. Like they should just like make either make fun of his high pitch screaming, or like he should own it. Really, like I don't know, like like Mike Tyson owns it, or whoever. He said he he idolized Jeff, but Jeff disrespected him. He called Jeff last week a sore winner, <laughs> and. Cedric is only sorry he didn't kick his ass into a retirement home. Jeff says, retirement home? I'm going to put my career on the line right now. <laughs> it's like, what? What a, what a comeback. Um, maybe he's looking for an out, man. Maybe the guy's actually just like, <laughs> he's done. Man, I got offers. <laughs> I could do a lot better than main event every week. So they had a career match, way an impromptu one. <laughs> so Cedric Alexander hit a Michinoku driver. He gets frustrated, so he hits a Swanton bomb and then misses with it. Jeff comes back, stopped the neuralizer, hit a twist of fate, and he hit the Swanton Swanton bomb to keep his career going. <laughs> After two <laughs> minutes. And 50 seconds as the announcers proclaim, he bet on himself. It's like, what a stupid bet. Like, what what does the house pay you for putting your career on the line? Congrats. You get to come back to work next week, which your contract dictated anyway. Great bet you took. Well, he's a risk taker. That Jeff Hardy. Yeah, huge risk. So, I mean, the idea, I guess, is that, okay, well, Jeff Hardy can afford the loss. He's going to end the evening with a victory. All you're really doing is telling me the hierarchy of what these mid-carters are. You know, you have John Morrison, who is the Mrs. Lackey, who I suppose ranks above everybody. And then you have Jeff Hardy second. And then at the very bottom, the loser of the losers is Cedric Alexander, who you're, I can't really say they're they're doing a great job of making me care. You know what's very bizarre? So, The Miz was doing press recently, and he was talking about the uh, the talk about his knee injury. And he admits, yeah, I'm hurt, but I'm not going to be gone for nine months. I was on TV this week. I'll probably be on TV next week. It's like, we know he's hurt. Why is he here? Why are they flying him out? He's hurt. Mm-hmm. He's got no role on the show. I mean, I think they they probably see value in having his face on TV. I oh, suppose. come on! Having his presence, I I can't tell you. I feel like most of the show, John, is booked to have people's faces on TV. Like that's why they extend these things to several segments. They do these kind of rematches to 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 just drag out the time. Drew McIntyre's on the show. Um, maybe they they feel that way about the Miz. Out comes Naomi, and this was for the debut or the return of Eva Marie. And Eva Marie comes out, but she is assisted by Piper Niven. And not instead I, of not identified as such. No, not not identified by a name. So instead of Eva Marie wrestling, it's Piper that takes the match and destroys Naomi with a senton, a splash off the ropes, and the Michinoku driver in a minute five. 
for Eva Marie to then announce herself as the winner. So we go to the jury, and I think we got a unanimous decision. Heel. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. So, um, you know, uh, what I, I mean, I would say what maybe mo- most of us didn't expe- expect was, was that Piper Niven would be making her debut along with Eva Marie in a story like this. And um, uh, the fact that they, you know, didn't mention Piper Niven being from NXT UK, I I think it doesn't surprise me at all. But it does does show you how little they expect people to have even heard of anybody from NXT UK. And I can... Yeah, I mean, if you are an NXT UK viewer, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. It's on your network. That said, it's such a small amount of people that we are talking about. Like, it is as small as they portray it here on on the show to not acknowledge, hey, that's that's Piper Niven from NXT UK. I mean, it's it's a little weird. You know, is it the chicken or the egg, John? Like, they don't. It's not like they ever promote the show as anything. I I don't think they're looking at NXT UK to be like this big thing either i think it's like it exists it sucks for everybody on that show i mean it's stuck there yeah it's something you couldn't get away with regular nxt i mean that would be completely ridiculous but with nxt uk i mean it's it's a subset of a subset that are following yeah so that is the truth right now the story i have concerns i mean i think it's a pretty awful way of introducing uh like a serious wrestler like piper niven it's a story you like. You know why they're doing it. It's putting all the focus on the way she looks, and you know this could very well kind of end up with like Piper Niven being like the star coming out of this, and maybe Eva's just sort of like the side character that you know will be forgotten in about six months. But I don't, I don't have high hopes. I can't say I have any faith that this company will be able to do this type of story any sort of justice. So um, I'm, I I'm not optimistic about this yeah from the from the makers of um some pretty awful representations of of women um i don't think you would be wise to put on your optimistic glasses for the future yeah we will see we will see famous last words there's a photo shoot going on with dana brooke and mandy rose from earlier today um did you did you notice the third flash of the camera? No. Because that was the heel turn. What? They turned heel mid-flash. Oh, yes, yeah. I see. Yes. Because Tamina and Natalia were over in the other in the practice ring and they told, "Can you keep it down?" And Natalia says, "You guys care more about how you look than how you do in the ring." And Natalia scolds them saying, Neither of you will ever be champion due to your priorities. And it wasn't your brains that opened doors for you. Rose says those doors would have shut on the two of you years ago, if not for your last names. And then they get into an impromptu brawl in the practice ring. Yeah, I mean, they were certainly acting heelish. Mandy and Dana were, I would say, but... Again, I think the jury's out until we see them in front of that Thunderdome crowd. I mean, Tamina and Natalia were kind of obnoxious too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, well, every, you're supposed to hate everybody. <laughs> what a wonderful, no, a no, wonderful no. cast of characters we have. Yeah, who do you no. hate less? We have Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Take your pick. 
Who do you dislike Cross. more? Yeah. Well, Nikki Cross, you're supposed to like, although it's hard to uh, it's hard to applaud her methods to victory. Your favorite way, I think. I think Drew McIntyre is becoming your favorite interview. Backstage. Oh God, this this uh, history teacher Drew McIntyre. Oh, oh sure, yeah. Kevin Patrick asks him about his match with the almighty WWE champion Bobby Lashley, and Drew says. You don't. You can just say Lashley. You don't have to call him by the entire title. I like this part that Drew is the one guy can, that can call out the stupid WWE. We've got to call him by all of his nicknames uh, to get there. Then he continued and called him Trashley. Trashley. Uh, probably another WWE thing. He puts over AJ, his opponent tonight, as one of the best in the world. And Lashley, or Trashley, has never been in hell in a cell, and you need a brilliant strategy. And us Scottish are known for our strategies. I was like, oh God. Like William Wallace. Big Willie. And then Drew McIntyre went on to explain the Battle of Sterling Bridge. You know, recently, Drew McIntyre put out his book. I think he is now putting out subsequent copies and he is trying to put entire books into these promos. He went on and on about the battle of Sterling bridge, which culminated in a pile of corpses at the end of this story. He says, what does this have to do with anything? Nothing. I just like the story and I'm not going to share my strategy. (laughs) This was just preposterous. Perhaps in, you know, selling his book, like it prompted him to take a trip to the library where he discovered the encyclopedia of Scottish history or something. Because this man has all of a sudden just become this obsessive of injecting Scottish (laughs) history references into these professional wrestling promos that, I mean, he was almost like making fun of it himself here that lead to absolutely nothing. It would be one thing if it was endearing, but this absolutely was not. Like, you just get the sense that I don't know what's going on here, okay? Because, like, Drew is one of the only bright spots of the WWE scripted promo that they have. He's somebody who can deliver fantastically whatever they want of him. He sounds natural doing it. And I don't know if this is his idea or if it's just the company's idea. You're Scottish. You gotta you gotta talk about Scottish history. Like what the fuck? You're ruining like the only good promo you have in your in your terrible system that's impossible to flourish under. I I don't I don't know what they're thinking. What is going on? It has nothing to do with Hell in a Cell. He literally summarized this promo on the Gomu yeah. show. This has nothing to do with Hell in a Cell. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods against Randy Orton and Riddle. Uh, We had New Day send them to the floor and then fake them out with Kofi teasing a dive while Woods did the Tranquilo pose to set up our first commercial break. Uh, RK Bro gets the advantage on Woods and they're working over his arm as Jimmy Smith notes, if you dislocate someone's elbow, you win. A not so subtle nod to Paul Craig and Jamal Hill on Saturday at UFC 263. A brutal injury, by the way. Does that always happen though? Like, can, can somebody choose to continue? After dislocation? Uh, it sh- uh, the referee should be aware that there is a dislocation and it's stopped immediately. Mm, okay. This one did not stop immediately. But Jamal Hill, only a dislocation, thankfully. 
Wood, Riddle is fighting for an armbar. Orton came in. I think these two have great chemistry together. Uh, just, you know, two-on-one uh, scenarios and such. Like, they are really gelling as a tag team. And, I mean, these four are bringing out the best in each other in all these different combinations we've been seeing. We got an assisted floating bro that Riddle hit. Then a superplex frog splash combo is hit by the New Day. Orton is making saves. We go into some near falls. Kingston saves Woods from a draping DDT. And then Riddle tags, goes for the power German that Woods escapes. And then Kingston leaps off the top into a double stomp, sending Riddle off the shoulders of Woods. Orton gets tagged and Woods counters the RKO, comes out of the corner for an honor roll into an RKO and Orton pins Riddle, uh, sorry, Orton pins Woods in 21 minutes and 43 seconds. The best thing on the show. I thought this was great. If you're still watching Raw for wrestling for some reason, um, this might be the only thing that you'd, you know, you'd be checking out. Very good match. I I think Riddle and New Day are, are just providing... Great pace, great athleticism in whatever series of matches that they have. And, you know, in the end, you kind of have Orton coming in to do his thing with a pretty good RKO out of nowhere in this match. Great finish. I mean, it was great that they, I mean, yes, you had the two commercial breaks, but they got almost 22 minutes here. Um, You know, this was, this was great. I think had, had this been commercial free on the pay-per-view Sunday, this probably would have been first or second best match on the show. In terms of story, I mean, it seems like this week RK Bro are on the same page. Though, in the walk up the ramp, I mean, you know, I think Orton is still very much like playing the on the fence character. You don't exactly know what he's thinking because it almost feels like rather than him being like warming up to Riddle as Riddle might be thinking, I, you almost get the sense that when just looking at him, he's just being tolerant of this guy. Um, like he can't wait to kill him. But. You know, they're, I think they're doing a great job, like, pacing this thing and dragging it out. They've they've certainly got something in these two. I can't imagine, though, that they don't do the turn um, to peak for SummerSlam. Mm. Like, I think that would yeah. probably be the timing, you, you would think. Unless they're so confident that they have enough material to get to, like, Survivor Series or, or later. It, it's funny that you've got this tag program going, and yet your tag champions have nothing going on. Hmm. Yeah, but this this feud, I mean, this is, I mean, maybe this will set up now Orton and Riddle going for the tag titles, but after mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell, I think that's that's really what it should be. I mean, they are by far the hottest tag team in the company right now. So yeah, Schreiber is with Rhea Ripley, who calls Flair delusional. She can't control herself when Ripley's around, and it's funny to watch someone so powerful crumble. Kind of like this superstar in NXT that's come up. Hmm. Yes. Ripley versus Asuka that they touted as a WrestleMania rematch. I think this is our like sixth incarnation of it. Um, I found them to be a little off at the beginning. Um, this was the issue like with yeah. several of their matches. Yeah, it just seemed like Ripley was just off like on some of the punches. It just seemed like they were not in sync with one another. Um, it got better when it was mainly Asuka making the comeback. She de- demonstrated a lot of fire. Uh, Ripley caught her on a roll-up attempt and used that inverted cloverleaf. Asuka countered out, spinning back fist that Rhea ducks and hits the Riptide in 11.04. I think good for the most part, but, you know, still some moments of miscommunication. And um, I, you know, at least um, Ripley wasn't booked to look like a dork in this finish. It was weird. She won. won. 
She's got a title match on Sunday. What they're what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. She I don't know. They're trying this new thing out where they're trying to make their champion look strong. It's we'll see how it goes. It would have been awesome if for the go home show Oscar and Nikki Cross beat the two sides of the title match going into Sunday. And this Flair... is forgotten about like no follow up. Rick uh Rick Flair came out. They... <laughs> I'm picturing Rick Flair in this bodysuit coming out. Uh but it was Charlotte who comes out in like this spandex bodysuit that um it's quite the outfit i mean i i think her new style is great like i i really like it but i mean it's it's you know i couldn't pull it off i think if you return to jujitsu i think this should be your look oh yeah sure uh they get into this huge pull apart charlotte is just maniacal trying to get through the producers and ends up with a bloody nose by the end of it so this was like our most physical angle yeah, I didn't see how, how the bloody nose happened, but I mean, it worked worked out for the scenario. Lashley and MVP are in the lounge, and MVP cuts a promo. Lashley isn't working tonight because he's the champion. Drew can do whatever he wants. And then Lashley gets involved and says, the same thing that happened to William Wallace will happen to Drew for the capital offense of challenging for my title. If you thought that was just subtle to decapitation, he then spelled it out that this Sunday I will publicly execute Drew and mount his head on a stick. For, so for the company that like shies away from like blood, this is quite the visual that they put in your head to go into Sunday. That by the end of this, Drew McIntyre, our favorite storyteller, will have his head severed from his body and placed on a stick. So you could tell whoever came up with like the Drew promo really <laughs> loved the William Wallace reference so much so that, I mean, it made, they made it the crux of Bobby Lashley's promo as well. And I'm just like, honestly, I'm really just imagining like who is <laughs> being so obsessive about like their their Scottish history all of a sudden. Like, you know, if you thought Ozzy Osbourne was a dated um, reference, I suppose, in 2021, we're going to take it back to the 13th century, you know, and really try to like boost ratings for that like 800 plus demo. Um, it's crazy. Like, I don't understand what's going on. They're making their main act just look so silly. Yes, I will execute Drew and mount his head on a stick. The, the same company that once had to make a phone call and say, um, we've got to fire you. Why? You choked someone with a tie. Oh, yes, you're fired. <laughs> well, I mean, did a, you know, did William Wallace ever choke somebody with a tie? That's It's true. That's true. He never committed that offense. You know, I've never seen Braveheart. Me neither. No. Don't suggest it. It's too long a review. No, I'm never going to watch it. We did watch Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. Another WrestleMania rematch. Bliss attacks Jax and gets her to a knee. Jax runs her over with an avalanche. Jax misses in the corner. I think it's contractual that Jax has to run her shoulder into the corner every single match to get the heat for the opponent. Reginald, poof, appears out of nowhere on the apron to distract Bliss. It doesn't work. Bliss hits a DDT, twisted Bliss, but then Reginald pulls her off for the DQ in four minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is one of those like WrestleMania matches you don't want to give away, right? 
You know, yeah, you can't pin Nia Jax going into this match on Sunday. So the big moment was Alexa stared at Reginald, who was hypnotized by Alexa Bliss as she used the power, I guess, of her hand. Was that the source? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. Um, Were you under a trance as well? Yeah, I guess you could say that. You know, I think I'm an impermanent trance choosing to dedicate my life to three hours of this every Monday. If there is a gif that comes out of this show that will live forever, it's Reginald snapping back into reality after this hypno- hypnosis. Well, don't you think they did uh, mind control in, in Cirque du Soleil? Wasn't I'm, it sure, like, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he volunteered for this story. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Sunday's going to be a wreck. I'm so ready <laughs> for it. Yeah, these... Ah, oh. uh, oh, man. It's like segment after segment now. I've like... Like, what clip do I use for the YouTube? I feel like everything I could pull. Our um, heads on sticks. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, I think in this match, like, we don't often see Alexa actually wrestle. And I feel like they have refined some things about her in-ring wrestling to really signify that she is a changed wrestler. They had her do, like, a, you know, alligator walk, which, like, with Alexa's flexibility actually looks kind of creepy and looks looks kind of cool. And then she'll repeatedly go for the rear naked choke as sort of, like... A creepy rear naked choke, you know, like the the move of the ghouls, <laughs> the rear the rear naked choke, um, and I mean I don't know, it, it, they're trying they're trying to make her seem different when she's wrestling. I mean they have to now tailor this act for like a live crowd, and it's it's going to be very difficult. I mean she's got to beat Shane on Sunday, doesn't she? I would think so. Yes, using mind control, like what? What do you think is the move? The Black whole gamut. Tar. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe her insides explode. Is there, you know, are there betting lines for like how this match might might end? I haven't been set, sent uh, betting lines yet, but when they come, I will I will absolutely pass them along to you. Okay. Don't know what the odds will be for this one. It's a it could be a pick'em. MVP is with the new day and asks Kofi if he thought about what they discussed last week, bringing up their loss to RK Bro. He said, Kofi Mania is never coming back. You're wasting your time in tag teams with people that don't measure up. Xavier is just standing here taking all this. He said, in a singles match, you only have yourself to blame. But tonight, you weren't even pinned. And yet, you're still a loser. Kingston says that he will never say MVP is right. I am successful because of my bond with my friends. And MVP wishes him good luck this Sunday at your match at Hell in a Cell. Oh, yeah, you don't have one. So then Kofi said, hey, MVP, we're in the network era. You realize that we don't even have it written in our contracts that we are guaranteed pay-per-view payoffs. It's totally discretionary. So we're a television-based company now, and we're not getting a cut of that contract either. So I've just got to work one less date this week. Well, you got to come back here on Sunday. I'm going to be home. So who's out ahead, MVP? Give Nick Khan a call. Say hello. It was a it was a very surprising depth of promo. Yeah, I thought this was like probably the only thing I enjoyed. On this, this is show. a good story that they've got going. Uh, all jokes aside, I think this is something where they're continuing it. It's leading somewhere, and I think it's interesting. Like MVP and Kofi, it's it's great. You have Xavier involved in this. Um, it would be hard to imagine them having Kingston turn, but I think what we're gonna do is that. They're going to mount up 
they always go for these stories where it's like it's justification to beat people over and over and over again. I think that's what we're going to get with this story with New Day is that Woods keeps losing. Hmm. Sure. Like where else can the story go? Unfortunately, he is already kind of like the de facto fall guy for the New Day anyway. So I don't think he loses anything. I mean, you know, no pun intended by losing more. I just think it's really refreshing to finally be able to see Kofi get fired up about something. And MVP really is a miracle worker because he's been able to do so much for so many guys to just drag that out of them. And nobody needs it more than Kofi Kingston right now, who has just been, ever since the Brock loss, just been completely apathetic. Like, he does not feel like a real person. You know, like he's been showing no emotion or he's been maybe he does feel like a real person and that he's like hiding behind, you know, a fake smile this entire time. But finally, like we're getting some emotion out of Kofi talking from the heart about how he feels like we're showing some depth of his character here. I thought he like in the past two weeks, he's cut probably some of his best promos since that title reign, maybe even during the title reign. I don't even remember. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I am looking forward to seeing what what happens after this time for the main event Elias versus Jackson Riker Jackson Riker walks down to the ring as Jimmy Smith notes Jackson Riker always intense to emphasize that we got an inset promo from Jackson Riker who said that Elias always wanted to walk alone that's okay but I wasn't holding you back you were holding me back. And as he delivered these vicious lines, they zoomed into his eyes. As the announcers explained that you can look into those eyes and see a man that has been to battle. Could you see that? I did, actually. You, you kind of have to ch- check your, uh, your viewfinder. It's, it's, it was in there. <laughs> So they are saying like he's a war vet without, I guess, hitting you over the head with like, hey, uh, like he's not coming out dressed in the flag or like army fatigues or anything like that. Give him time. He's just yeah, he's a man who has seen battle. Um, generic wrestler, generic promo. It's like I think that should be the gimmick. He is like <laughs> he is the most generic wrestler in the world you know if he was in like gcw or something like that they would brand him as like the most generic wrestler like it would be like i don't know like think of the most generic wrestler name it'd probably be jackson Riker. you know he'd come out with a theme exactly like what he sound like what the oh, this theme like. is the worst this might be the worst theme in wrestling oh yeah for sure anyway yeah uh elias versus jackson Riker. line up everybody like you know it's what all, we've all been waiting for. Elias fought Riker until he had had enough. He was running to the post. The count is going. Unlike Charlotte, Elias was aware of the count and just opted not to beat it. So he was counted out in two and a half minutes. So we're going to continue this song and dance for however long before Jackson Riker gets him into a match where he can't escape. And neither can you, the viewer. Lashley and MVP come out to watch the match. They're on the uh, the couch with the women. And it's AJ versus Drew McIntyre. So the match begins. Uh, Drew hits the Future Shock DDT, but instead of going for the pin, he just stares at Lashley up the ramp. Omos then pulls AJ to the floor. Lashley comes down to the ring. The Viking Raiders come out, who are Drew's buddies. And we go to commercial. We come back. The match continues. 
Drew hits a Michinoku driver, which was hit in like three different matches tonight. Styles avoids the superplex and hits an Ushiguroshi. Onto the floor they go, and Drew goes after Lashley, running him into the barricade. Hits a top rope clothesline to AJ when Lashley runs in for the DQ after 13 and a half minutes. The Vikings get involved. Drew hits a belly-to-belly to Lashley on the floor. Come back from break, and we've got a six-man tag with Lashley, Styles, and Omos versus Drew McIntyre and the Viking Raiders. Like, it's one of those tropes about WWE TV that we've all just really come to accept now, you know? They go to break. There's a lack of resolution. Come back. Everybody's in a match. And I'm just like, I imagine maybe the <laughs> the casual viewer or, like, the person who's only, like, seen wrestling as they were a kid and then all of a sudden is jumping into the present just being completely confused about what this is. I mean, in the end, it is a, just a way of getting everybody's faces on TV, you know, to keep the stars on the TV while giving you a finish to close the show without giving anything away. So we had the six man um, Lashley and Ivar had a entertaining exchange here. And from there, uh, Omos comes in with Ivar and they are so careful with Omos. It's like, they want him doing the bare minimum. Dude. Like they, they were not subtle about pairing him uh, with Drew McIntyre in some several, several big stare down moments here. And you could just tell, this I is thought Vince's, the same thing. I thought I this, thought the same thing. It's that they are going to try out Omos, and it could be with Drew. Yeah. Oh my God! This like you. This is probably Vince's like WrestleMania main event in like a year. You know, oh. it'd be one thing if it was like in five years, but like they're rushing this guy Omos. I think. Yeah, I saw enough of him in this six man that it's like. I just don't know how much you can get out of this guy. Like, you, the AJ thing has run its course. It's, like, there's just, I don't know. Maybe it's like you've got to move and see what you've got here, and then it's mm-hmm. you make the decision to cut bait or not. But, I mean, you're, I don't know. This, it's, you know, I saw the enough creative, here. The creative isn't so strong that I, I think we have any sort of gauge of, like, you know, what how good of a promo he is, for instance. In ring, like we're not really getting to see a whole lot either. Like they're telling him to play the uh, a giant, and that means don't do anything that impressive. Unfortunately, um, yeah, maybe he'll surprise us. I'm, I'm not sure, but I just feel like it. It, it still might be too much too soon. Um, yeah, but, but the, yeah. The, to your point, there was a lot of Omos and Drew here. Omos yanked Drew by the hair, and then he threw the Vikings over the barricade. As Jimmy Smith notes, there are no special effects here. Omos is the real deal. This is not like Roman Reigns and Dominic. There are no special effects here. (laughs) Yeah. Nor The Fiend, nor Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. AJ, so the end is he's been beaten down and he collapses into his corner and you think he's going for Omos and then he tags Lashley, who's all confused that he's been tagged, turns around and is hit with the Claymore and Drew pins Lashley on the go-home show in 1340. I'm surprised they did this ending. And uh, first of all, your thoughts on the six man. It was a wrestling match. Correct. You know? Yeah, it happened. And uh, got Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley on TV for. Were you saying at the end? Oh, man. Six days. Six more days. Hell in a cell. 
I was not. No, unfortunately, I was not. But I mean, you know, the like, oh, the finish was logical. Like having your challenger beat the yeah. champion ahead of the title match. So I thought we could break this up uh, instead of saving our Hell in a Cell preview and just quickly look at the Raw matches because there's sure. only like three of them. Okay. For Bobby Lashley and Drew, you've got the Hell in a Cell match and the step that if Drew loses, it's his last chance to challenge Bobby Lashley. So I think your options are... Do you want, as you go back with crowds, that Drew is your champion? Or is do, do you just move forward with Lashley? Because honestly, like this kind of a stipulation, I would say if Drew was going to win the title and it's his last chance, why wouldn't you save this till next month when you're in front of fans? It just seems like giving away that title win without the audience, it just seems like you're missing an opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, th- does this discount, let's say, Drew McIntyre winning money in the bank? Like, would he be able to win money in the bank and still challenge for the belt? I guess you could do that. I mean, these are WWE stipulations that are not going to be held yeah. to the letter of the law. Um, I see, can certainly I... see, like, Drew failing here. Um, but I am, like, given the WrestleMania loss, I mean, it's it's tough to imagine them beating Drew a second time, but... I just think it's a, like a weird time to flip the title um, and not do it at you know a more advantageous time period. I agree. I think that would be strange too. And I think there's enough life in Bobby Lashley right now that we've you know barely explored that I, I feel if you weren't going to do it at WrestleMania, I don't understand the logic of doing it at a hell in a cell in front of nobody. So I'm predicting Lashley wins and somehow they maneuver out of the stipulation later on. Or Omos costs them the match way. And we get Drew and Omos in front of everyone at Allegiant Stadium in, in August. Oh, okay. Um, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Oh, fuck. Oh. Just a terrible feud. Somehow Nikki Cross will interfere and win this one. I was worried when I looked at Charlotte's record. I mean, she's one in five. Um, that, that tends to be the pathway to regaining a title. Oh, I guess so. Maybe it's a double count out. John, they both forget oh. that, <laughs> that would be the best. Match. That would cap off this this cycle perfectly. They both yeah. get counted out without realizing it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I'm it, sorry. I don't care what kind of. I'm sure the, like the match will be fine on Sunday, but I I can't think of a feud that has just decimated my interest. I mean, here's the, this. Here's like I don't even realize this until I'm actually looking at the match on paper right now. They already have a story. I mean, it's Rhea Ripley trying to avenge her loss to Charlotte from WrestleMania that sent her on a downward spiral. Oh, yeah. that, that's been year. brought up a grand total of zero. <laughs> like, they're just, you know, like, it's already written out for them. Instead, we've had months, like a whole month of both of them losing to Nikki Cross, of all people. Uh, leading up to, to this match, it's... I don't understand it at all. But, man, the way these pay-per-views are... If the match is really good, we tend to forget about everything beforehand. So they could still have a great match. Well, on Sunday, I'm going to bring up the storyline, no matter how great of a match it is on on Sunday. And then the only other Raw match is Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler. Which, I mean, I just think this is is their last Thunderdome pay-per-view. So I think they're going to just get everything out that they they are not going to be able to do on future pay-per-views. I think this will have... Whether it starts as a match, I think this is going to... I think it almost necessitates all all the surreal elements. Lily's got to be in here. So this that's what this will be, I think. 
I would actually hope for that. To me, that would be a welcome surprise. But something tells me that they would just, I don't know, they're going to have a pretty mediocre match with this version of Alexa Bliss. Shayna's selling for a lot of it. Uh, Shayna's selling a rear naked choke to... Oh, God. Like, what uh, if Lily comes to life as Mei Ying? I'd like to see how they would do that um, with special effects. But yeah, sure, why not? Throw all the supernatural stuff into one single entity and just kind of get it over with. But um, I I don't know. Like, we've seen Alexa Bliss in these sort of things. And I mean, we've seen plenty of feed matches that have ended up being completely unsatisfying. So this could just be as big of a fuck up. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't give us a finish for this match or at least some of the other ones. All right. Let's, uh, we'll talk about so the I'm very optimistic matches. about this show. Well, we, we've only got, uh, five matches for this show. It'll be interesting what the, the length of this show is, um, given, uh, the start time. Um, you know, I'll be perfectly happy if it's, you know, two and a half hour show. Tonight's show from the forum got a 6.2. I think That's six of that unreal. was for the tag match. Wow. Okay. Well, let's see what the just justification is. Paul from New Jersey. I know you gentlemen have touched on this before, but it's really weird to me how Nikki Cross is being booked like a fangirl who's just lucky enough to be in the ring. Jeff Hardy caught, cut one of the worst promos of his career, and that's really saying something. I'm actually glad Eva Marie is back, and I thought Piper looked fantastic. For what it's worth, Dana and Mandy sounded a lot more natural than usual. Definitely some good things on the show tonight. However, Ross still fails to capture my attention for more than 90 minutes. I leave the show in its full... Uh, I leave the show... In its full up to you professionals. Uh, shout out to Todd Pettengill and Stephanie Wyatt. Oh man, Todd Pettengill, I thought was did a great job last night. He looks exactly the same. He is like the guy is a he's been a radio broadcaster for decades. So, and he's also been in that system where he is very good with delivering whatever is put in front of him. I thought by the time they got to the karate fighters bit, I was like, okay, you've kind of run they, this into the yeah. ground. It was yeah, like, we got, got it. Life ended for you in 1997 when you left the company. And when you leave yeah. this company, time stands still until we give you the golden call back to come to our world. Hey, VHS. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. The Stephanie Wyan reference. Like I laughed at that. That was, that was very funny. Uh, we got Alex from Portland who says, The women's division looked very rough tonight. I looked up Rhea Ripley on Cage Match, and since her debut on Raw in March, she's had nine matches, eight of those involving Asuka. I'm disappointed a Rhea Ripley and Asuka match feels so un- unimportant now. Nikki Cross feels like WWE's version of Toriano, considering we're getting, well, I think unintentionally, sure. Yeah. Considering we're getting a, an Alexa and Shayna at Hell in a Cell, I found it disappointing that Alexa had her in-ring return tonight instead of saving it for the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. The money that was burned from giving away that return. RK Bro and New Day stole the show. Really glad I tuned in tonight because I would have cried if I had to miss Jeff Hardy's unpromoted retirement <laughs> match. His career Four almost ended tonight. <laughs> Four out of ten show. Question, win or lose on Sunday, where do you go with Drew McIntyre? He's beaten basically everybody on that roster. It just feels weird to put the title back on him, but I mean, they, I mean they've set up the stipulation that leads you to that, that conclusion. Um... But I mean, it's it's ultimately like this. If he loses, you spin him off with with somebody else. But you would figure like he needs to be in something important. Uh, to Way's point, I think that you could have him lose, and then he's it's a reason for him to be in Money in the Bank, and that's his way around to get back to a title match. Who do you see Drew with 
uh, at WrestleMania. Or sorry, SummerSlam right now. Yeah, I don't think we can look that far to WrestleMania. Um, SummerSlam, I mean, now you've put the Omos thing in my head. So, I mean, like, that's one of the things oh, is that, like, like, dude, what are the options? Like, Lashley, we're, we're reaching the end of the road with Drew and Lashley. It would be really hard to squeeze another match out of them, especially, especially for SummerSlam. after a Hell in a Cell. You know, Once like, you've done Hell in a Cell and you did Mania and you did uh, the three-way, three-way was very good last month. Um, what are your options on Raw? Yeah. He's done. You him know, and Randy were done to death last year. Let's also remember we got Kofi Kingston being set up for presumably Bobby Lashley right now. Maybe. So yeah. that could at least be a money in the bank match. You know, probably won't be SummerSlam. Yeah. I mean, it's it's slim pickings on Raw when you're taking Drew out of that main event picture. Like, it would have been the same for Randy if he hadn't found this tag program. Like, there's, there's such a... Uh, like you're out of that title picture and it's, they don't have a very strong mid card. Could they do Kofi? Like Kofi, Kofi beating and Lashley. Yeah. And then Kofi and Drew. So oh, Kofi and Drew. Yeah, you, you could, I mean, that's your way around it. It's as long as Lashley is champion, but double baby face, I guess I wouldn't know how they would do that. Well, we would presume double baby face. We, we don't know. But let's not get people's hopes up. I suppose. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like Drew has gone through Lashley, Orton, and Sheamus, and those are kind of your your big heels on the show. Unless you're looking at like AJ and Omos, like that's kind of your your next level. So we can't say like there is some intrigue as to you know the finish of this match on Sunday. We you know it's relatively kind of it's it's one where you you could go either way. Like maybe the thought is put it on Drew, and then we're returning to fans with Drew as champion and mm-hmm. someone to to feud with. Um, there there yeah. is that option. I hate to like rush, but I've been holding my urine in for like fifty minutes here. So I let's wrap this show up, John. Well, guys, uh, <laughs> that is going to cancel our impromptu review. I was going to do of all the television from over the weekend. <laughs> Way has got to go. Literally, I'm about the faint man. Yes, I do have to. That is it. Goodbye, everyone. We'll be back on Tuesday. Rewind away the longest yard up for all cafe members. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Good night.